We're deep into the area of Sveikot, of dealing with, with doubtful situations, with uncertainty. And we discussed yesterday that we live in a world of uncertainty. Everything around us is uncertain. And Halakha enables us to operate with certainty in this uncertain environment in which we find ourselves. So these sections of the Gemara that deal deeply with Sveikot, with uncertainty, are really important for the way we operate in, both in Halakha and in life in general. The um, Sveikot that we're dealing with here are the Sveikot of a safek mamzer, a child who we're not sure whether he's a mamzer or not. A mamzer is the child of a forbidden union where the prohibition in, involves an isur karet. Uh, it's a very, very serious forbidden prohibition. And if uh, two people engaged in such a prohibited relationship and had a child from that relationship, the child is a mamzer and may not marry a non-mamzer, may not marry a regular Jewish person. So that's the topic of what we're dealing over here. And this page of Gemara we've got is just the most amazing daf and covers so many different areas that we would love to spend time in going into. We we have this very area of the Safek mamzer. We have the uh, amazing story and situation of Rav and Rav Nachman, who when they traveled used to put out an advertisement and find a wife for themselves just for the days they were in this, the, the foreign city in which they were going, in two particular cities that they visited. Why did they do that? What was it for? How did it work? Uh, that's a piece of Gemara that we have. And then we have the intersection between the laws of Safek Mamzer and the laws of inheritance and financial claims, uh, where a child claims uh, part of an estate and his brothers or his uncle might claim that he's not entitled to that estate. Uh, that's a fascinating area of Gemara that deals with safek in Mamonot, when you have uncertainty with respect to, to financial ownership, to monetary ownership. How do you resolve that? And we'll have these ideas throughout Shas, but a lot of them appear on this very page. So it's a fascinating page. We're still busy with the same pasuk of two brothers living in the same period of time. One dies childlessly, and uh, that idea of vain ain law. What do we really mean? What are the what are the circumstances of not having a child? And we're dealing on these pages of Gomorrah with where we're not sure whether he had a child or not. For example, the case we're talking about in our missioner is a man who was who passed away, didn't have children. His brother is hyper-enthusiastic about fulfilling the mitzvah of Yibum and does Yibum with his sister-in-law immediately. Uh, doesn't wait the, the suggested, the recommended three months. And it then emerges that she's pregnant and she gives birth. And we don't know if the pregnancy was conceived by, the first, by her first husband, the deceased brother, or by her second husband, the Yabam. Is it a nine-month pregnancy from the first from the first husband or a seven-month pregnancy from the second. And so we have a situation where they can't live together anymore. This this husband and wife, the Yabam and his sister-in-law, can no longer live together. They must get divorced uh, because their situation is, is highly uh, problematic. If uh, this child was, in fact, the child of the deceased, then Yibum was not allowed to have been performed because... The deceased did have a child. He now has a child that's living living at the moment. Uh, and so the Yibum was not a valid Yibum. If the Yibum wasn't a valid Yibum, then of course this brother is having a relationship with his sister-in-law who has children. Um, and, and that is inc incredibly problematic. So they've got to get divorced. What is the status of the child? The child is not in a, a problem. The child, the Mishnah says, is kasher. Because either way, 
the child is covered, the child is okay. If he is the son of the deceased, then that's fine. He's the son of the deceased and his mother, and he, he was born before there was any problem. If he is the son of the Yibum relationship, then that's all right too. That means that his uh, uncle, the brother, the, the deceased man, didn't have any children. So the brother had to do Yibum with this young boy's mother, which he did, and he is the product of that Yibum relationship. So either way, the young boy is good. He's taken care of. Uh, the parents have to get divorced and they have to bring a korban asham, uh, talui. They have to bring this um, special asham offering, which is designed for people who are not sure whether or not they have committed an avera, whether they did something wrong or not. The Rambam says in Hilchot Shigagot, Kol chet shechayavim al shigagot chatat, kvua, chayavim al lo hoda shelo asham talui. Anybody who is, would normally have to bring a korban chatat, a sin offering for something they did. In a case where they're not sure of the, uh, having committed it or not, they don't know whether it was, they have to bring what we call a masham, an asham talui. And what does that mean? That means, im nistapek lo im shagag or lo shagag. Uh, he doesn't know whether he did mistakenly commit an Avera or he didn't commit an Avera. In such a case, he must then bring a Korban Asham, which is the Korban referenced in the second set of Psukim that I quoted in the sources. The Gemara goes on to say, uh, on our daf, on daf Lamed Zayin and Aleph, that brings a brighter that Rishon Ra'uliot Kohen Gadol, that first son that is born, this son we have the question about, but we don't really have a question because either way he's covered, he's kosher, is so kosher, says the Brayser, he could be, technically speaking, if he were a Kohen and there weren't any other problems, he could be the Kohen Gadol. There's absolutely nothing wrong with his yichas. But the Sheni, if they lived together and had a second child, that child is a mamzer misafek. That child is a potentially uh, safek mamzer, a doubtful mamzer, or mamzer that we're not sure about. Because once again, if his older brother was the son of the Yabam and his sister-in-law, then everything's fine. But if the older brother was the son of the deceased, then Yibum should not have taken place. If Yibum did not take, should not have taken place, then the relationship between the surviving brother and the sister-in-law is, the, is a relationship of Eshet Achiv, the sister of, of a brother who has children, because uh, the brother now has a child, and that is an Isur Arayot, that's a serious uh, prohibition of Arayot, resulting in the child being a mamzer. So depending on who the father of the first son is, the second son may or may not be a mamzer. Now, being a safek mamzer is the worst situation of all. Because if one is pro- completely a mamzer, full mamzer, then one could still marry other mamzerot. One could marry girls who are in a, of the same status, uh, various other people that one can marry. But if one is a safek mamzer, if one could be a kosher Jew, but maybe not, then you can't marry anybody. You can't marry a mamzeret because maybe I'm a kosher Jew. And I can't marry a kosher Jew because maybe I'm a mamzer. So this person is tragically stuck in a situation where they cannot get married to anybody. And we do everything we can in halakha to avoid that state of safek mamzer. So much so that there's a question discussed. Can we judge whether the second brother is a mamzer or isn't 
by his behavior, by his character, which is an amazing question because it comes into that whole issue of nurture and nature. Uh, is it possible that a person's genetic makeup, uh, that his yichas, that the way he was conceived and the parents and grandparents and great-grandparents have an impact on his behavior and perhaps we can reverse engineer the, the issue and by his behavior decide whether he's not a mamzer or not. Now that seems very far-fetched. But it's not that far-fetched. We have a, st- a story in, the, in Bova Basra, Daphnud Chet, where um, there's a man who has 10 children, but the, the mother is, says there's only one of the 10 is actually from the father. And when the father dies, he leaves his estate to one child, but doesn't determine who. He leaves it to the Beit Din to decide. The Dayan at the time was Rabbi Bena'ah, and Rabbi Bena'ai used what is called Shuddha the Dayan. There are certain cases where uh, the Shulchan Aruch allows the Dayan to use his own discretion in reach, reaching a conclusion. Uh, and in this case, Rabbi Bena'ai used that discretion and instructed the children to go and beat at the grave of the, of the father, to hit the grave many, many times until the father tells them, who the son is that he was referring to when he left his, his will. In his will, he left his estate to that son. And they all went to the graveside to beat up the grave, except for one. Rabbi Benaiah said, that is the one. That's the child that the father was referring to. And all of the property goes to this one child. The Rashbam explains that because, is because he realized this child obviously had a closer relationship with the father than any of the others and didn't want to do anything even mildly disrespectful to his father, no matter what the reason. Uh, and therefore, in all probability, this was the child the father was referring to. But it does emerge, then, we are declaring the other nine children as mamzerim, uh, uh, as coming, or at least coming from illegitimate relationships. Um, and, and we're doing that on the basis of the behavior of a child. But that's not really such a thorough uh, uh, proof either way, because there we do know that there's only one out of the out of the ten children is the father's child. It's just a matter of determining which one. But what about actually determining where you don't even know that the person is a mamzer? You know nothing about the person. Is it conceivable that by the person's behavior and character you might determine what background he comes from? And of course, that raises intriguing questions. Because on the one hand, that means do we not have control over who we are? Are we de- destined? Are we predestined with character? character based on the way we're born and, and do we not have to work on ourselves to improve ourselves? Uh, what, what is this about? So let's first look at the source, which is from Masechet Kala, which is actually a, a writings of the Goanim. It's quoted by, by Rav Moshe Feinstein and, and, uh, and the Vilna Gaon. We'll see that in a, in a few minutes' time. But this was a case where Rabbi Liezer and Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Akiva uh, we're, we're outside and there were some kids playing basketball, let's say. And one of the children had his had cap off. He was playing with no covering on his head. And the other child had, it, had a, a cap, some head covering on his head. Um, and at that time, Rabbi Lieza said, the one without a head covering is a mamzer. Because that's brazen to, to take off in a, in a religious environment, in a religious place to to take off your your hat and just not worry about what anybody, what the norms are and what the right behavior is. That's a mamzer. Rabbi Yudas says, no, he's not a mamzer. He's a ben nida. He was conceived from a, a relationship where the mother and the father didn't keep the laws of family purity and she had not been to the mikveh. Rabbi Akiva said neither of those would be enough to really manifest so clearly in the behavior of the child. But if the, if the child is both a mamzer and the son of a nida, 
that he was uh, born in a relationship where the laws of family purity weren't kept. Both those together could certainly manifest in behavior. Now, long story that uh, Rabbi Akiva does some research. They initially said, how could you possibly say that? And how could you know that? Rabbi uh, Akiva does research. He goes into it. He meets with the woman. He gains her confidence and she tells him the truth that at her wedding she was in Ida, and so her groom couldn't have relations with her and another member of the family uh, did take advantage of her and so she was in fact an Ida, and the child was born of a, an incestuous relationship, a relationship that was forbidden. And so they praise Rabbi Akiva that, that he was able to determine that and know that. Uh, be that as it may, we do see from here that Rabbi Akiva was able to tell the lineage of the child from his behavior, from the child's behavior. Uh, we see that also in, uh, in a Rashi in Brachot, where Rashi talks about the fact that we say in the mornings that we ask Hashem to save us, not only from azepanim, from people who are brazen and aggressive and chutzpedik, but to save us from being those people, from being brazen and chutzpedik and aggressive. And it's always bothered me. How do we, why would we pray to Hashem to save me from being chutzpedik, from save me from being brazen? Surely I'm expected to take care of that myself. Surely I'm expected to, 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 to manage my behavior and calibrate my responses. So I don't need to ask Hashem to save me from that. And Rashi says what it means is, that people shouldn't say of me that I am a mamzer, that my lineage is questionable. That's what azut panim means. So once again, we see that this aggressive, cheeky behavior, this, uh, this unruly behavior is a function of some inherited, so to say, genetic or epigenetic quality. So much so that it brings Rabbi Moshe Feinstein to the question that was asked of him, um, if somebody comes from a wonderful home, a, a religious young man, a frum young man, a student of Torah, Talmud Chacham, wants to get married, should he avoid marrying the child of, um, or, or a, a young girl who is herself a balat tshuva and was born into a family that didn't keep Torah mitzvot, which means the mother conceived even though she was a nidah? in all probability, and uh, we see that that could affect the quality of the individual, the, the, the nature of the individual, and so on. And Ramosha Feinstein, in this most brilliant and humanistic and, and halachically brilliant tshuva in Yerodeh Chelech, Dalet Simen Yud Zayin, says the following. He says, of course there is a correlation between the genetic, the yichus, uh, the lineage and the behavior of the child. We see that in the Gemara. There is a correlation. However, the correlation works both ways. Uh, and therefore, if you saw somebody whose behavior was terrible and, and is very chutzpahdik from early childhood, and that's just his natural makeup, don't judge him for being that way. This might be his genetic makeup. He was born to, to parents who didn't keep the right mitzvot and didn't themselves exhibit the right character. Character can be inherited. Character can be genetic. And if he was born with bad character, that's like being born with any other deficiency. Don't hold that against him. That's, that's how he is. Yes, even if one is born with bad character, of course one can work on that and one can refine it and one can become a great and wonderful human being. But that requires an inordinate amount of work. And, and you didn't have to. You were, born, you were fortunate to have been born with good midot. Don't judge everybody else who doesn't have your quality of midot as being a terrible human being. It might not really be altogether their fault. 
But more important, Rav Moshe Feinstein says, if you, the person you're talking about has amazing midot, if this man wants to marry a young girl and she's fine and she has tzniyot, she's a modest, wonderful, beautiful human being, then you've got to know because the correlation works both ways. You've got to say then the mother, it couldn't possibly be that the mother was a nida, that they didn't keep tarat hamishpah. How could that be? We know they weren't religious. And he then goes on to prove that we must assume that before this child was conceived, the mother went for a swim or the mother went into the ocean. Uh, and even though she didn't know that she was going to the mikveh, and even though it's not a fully kosher mikveh, he goes through all the possibilities and it emerges that, that from the Torah's perspective, uh, it, it qualifies as, uh, as, as her not being in Nida. And you must assume that something like that happened if this lovely young lady is the, is the product of their relationship. Uh, it must mean that their relationship was a fine one and that the genetics and that the yichas from which she comes is fine because fine character comes from somewhere. And again, yes, we can all work on it, but but some people are born into families where character is there for generations. And that's a huge advantage. That's an incredible zuchut because it makes it much easier to develop oneself in that way and to develop one's children in that way. And one has to be incredibly grateful for that, And when one encounters a person or if oneself is somebody who wasn't born into this amazing family, still we can work on ourselves and we can become, and maybe there were amazing people, there was amazingness, so to say, way back, generations way back, which we're able to access and bring out. And at the end of the day, we all come from Abraham and Sarah. We've all got yichus way back. But the closer the yichus is to, to our time, to ourselves, the easier it is to bring the best and the finest of character out, out forward. And so we see, see, see from here, yes, there is a correlation between uh, yichas, between lineage and character. It's not an unquestioned co- correlation. When you see a family and everybody in the family has fine character, you can assume that they come from good stock, so to say. They come from people. When you see people with with bad character, you can assume that they might come from, from families that didn't have such great character. But we all have free choice. We all have the ability to develop ourselves, to shape ourselves, to mold ourselves, to build ourselves, and to become great human beings, no matter what our background. And certainly somebody who overcomes the hardship of having ha- had a poor genetic input to start with. And out of that poor genetic input, they make themselves into people of great character. How much greater that is, how wonderful that is, and and how praiseworthy it is for people who are able to reach those levels and those heights. Mm -hmm.